This is episode 25 of Heart of the Bookkeeper and have we got a fabulous guest for you to hear the journey of today. Jen Pryor is based out of Perth in Western Australia and has had to fight hard and loud to make her way into mainstream bookkeeping and business consultancy. It is this determination and her way of unpacking challenges along the way and taking steps to move herself forward. This is no doubt the story of Jen who is simply out there and yet her approach to how she does this will surprise you, I believe, and possibly inspire you to think about your approach to growing or repositioning your business or practice. Cats, sharks and dealing with teenagers all get a run in this episode, but most of all, it is Jen's bookkeeping story that I hope you will most appreciate. My name is Rob Marshall, and this is the story of Jen Pryor. Hear her roar. Our episode of Heart of the Bookkeeper that we're about to launch into brings into play an episode that I've really been looking for and we've already got the cat in the background, so just showing how uh, live we do this. <laughs> I love it. Uh, we have got a special guest in the form of Jen Pryor, all the way from Onyx Group in Perth, Western Australia. Jen Pryor, great to have you on the podcast. Thank you very much, Rob. Lovely to be here. And the cat's name is? We have Tiger, who's a very um, audio-visual cat. She likes to speak <laughs> consistently and often very loudly, so you may or may not be interrupted by that during during today's chat. Hey, I don't think we've got any problems with that. I'm sure we've got many cat lovers online. We've had a few dogs over the journey, so it's time to have a cat. I don't know, maybe I can. the listeners can't see, but I can see your office in the background. Maybe see if you can get the cat to maybe pump out a few IASs or basses while we're doing this. That might be helpful. Oh, yeah, there, there's there's the cat. There she yeah, is. There she, she wants, is. Yeah, she wants to be on the desk and then she wants <laughs> to be left in the sun, so, Yeah. <laughs> Jen Pryor, um, lots of things that I want to talk to you about and things that I think that many of our uh, listeners tuning in will resonate with about you and we'll get to that. And certainly your bookkeeping story is the, is the main thing we want to focus in on and some of the, the lessons learned and the challenges that you've been through and 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 where you are right now is, is I think, really where I want to land um, eventually. But uh, as we do, just uh, maybe let's unpack a little bit. We won't go too deep, but a little bit into your into your journey to to where you find yourself now. Um, not an original Aussie, I believe. No, no. no. tell us about that. No, um, my parents settled in Africa from England, uh, in Zimbabwe. So my brother and I were both born there, but we emigrated to Australia when I was eight, and that. That, as far as I'm concerned, Perth's home always has been, always will be. Do you have many memories of Zimbabwe or your I, time there? Yeah, I actually do. Um, I've got some very vivid memories, which, you know, most are great, but some not so great as well. And certainly, you know, certainly things that perhaps young young girls shouldn't be experience and see from those times, but, you know, we came out here so I would have a, you know, successful childhood, I guess, um, and, and you know, it's paid off. 
I won't call out your age because that's not an appropriate thing to do, <laughs> but, I, but I will call out you are uh, uh, officially one of the younger group of bookkeepers because you're well below the average age. We'll say that, put it that way. So we, you don't have to respond to that, but we'll go with your, uh, I'm, I'm calling you one of the younger brigade. Um, was it, was there, I mean, the time that you moved out to, to Western Australia, again, without saying um, the years, were somewhat um, uh, difficult years in Africa? Did you did you have some moments where you felt unsafe that you oh, remember? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, now that you've called me young, Rob, I'm not afraid to, to show my age. I'm a year and a half short of the big 5-0, so I'm okay, <laughs> I'm okay with that. Um, and the fact that you've highlighted that's young, I'm, I'm going to work with you on that one. Um, look, for sure, you know, we had um, guerrilla warfare going on and we lived on a property and I've got memories of trying to go to sleep at night and having shooting, you know, going across from one boundary of the property to the other. Um, at primary school, we actually had um, a girl by the name of Leslie picked up from the Oval, literally a car pulled up, grabbed her, and off she went, never never to be seen again. So, you know, there's certainly memories like that that are there, but nothing that's, um, you know, on the other hand, you've got the positive stuff, you know, the animals, the freedom that we had, um, the safaris that we did, all of that. It's like anything in life. You've got to take the good with the bad and you hold on to what's important and let go of the rest. I've never been there, but I believe, yeah, Zimbabwe or uh, formerly Rhodesia, I think. Rhodesia, right? sorry. Yeah. It was Rhodesia when I was born, so quite often I say Rhodesia, but people don't remember what that was, so, yeah. I've got a brother-in-law who hailed from there and, and he talks with just this, these beautiful lands and, mm. you know, yeah, animal kingdom basically as we see in the movies and in the cartoons and stuff like that. Are they the fonder memories of, of growing up in Zimbabwe? Oh, absolutely. You know, we had a big property, um, you know, with the division of black and white, we were very well off. So, you, you know, what comes with that is a big property. You know, I was riding horses from, you know, before I could walk until we left. We had we bred quarter horses. Um, you know, we had all of those things that... that in the equivalent of Australia, we, there's no way we would have had the privilege of having those things as well. So it gives you a little bit of that that privilege, I guess, as well. Um, and I think coming out here at the age that I did, being eight, you know, I found it very difficult because I was, you know, calling things by different names. You know, um, a pencil was, a, you know, coloured pencils, crayons, they were all different. So I, I struggled with the first year probably at school when we came out. Um, but you learn to adapt very quickly, whereas my brother, who's 11 years older than me and didn't come out for a number of years afterwards, I don't think adapted as quickly as, as I did being so young. Why Why do you think that is? Why? What's the difference, do you believe? Just the age thing or...? Oh, uh, yeah, I think probably, you know, like being eight, yeah. you know, you're still very mouldable. Yeah. And especially um, being, you know, a kid with a funny accent starting in a primary school, you either conform or you're the odd one out. Um, and so you learn to conform very quickly. Um, yep. But, you know, that that I found, my first school I found very, very difficult. I was only there for like one semester, I think, and then we moved and just we moved suburbs, but I moved into another school which I blossomed in. 
Um, yeah. And, you know, some of the friends from that school are still friends of mine and clients of mine, funnily enough, now. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, I, I ask that because I often think, I, you know, I've obviously lived in WA, grown up in WA, do everything in WA or Australia, or I suppose if you spread it wider, and I just can't even imagine what it would be like to be uprooted as an eight-year-old and move to a whole different country that has very different values in some cases and very different approaches to things. So, uh, I, I, you know, the challenges that you faced were quite significant, I would have thought, and you've done very well. And and clearly getting friends early would be the key to it, I think, and, and the moving of, to the other school obviously made a big impact for you, I'm guessing. Yeah, I think the first school was me, really the baptism of fire, Um, And then by the time I moved to the second school, which, you know, comparatively wasn't that long a period of time, but I'd learned learned what you needed to do to to get through. Um, And, and, you know, I've I've never been one to shy away from plomping myself in the middle of a group and announcing my presence, as I'm sure you're aware. So I think that kind of personality type also helped significantly. We, we are going to come to that because one of the <laughs> one of the unique things that I've, I've you know really attracted me to getting you on the podcast as I as you know I just I, I desire to get every bookkeeper I've ever known on the podcast at some stage but definitely you are one that's been on my radar because you do like to um, let's say put yourself out there and have done for a long time and uh, you and I go quite a way back and I've seen you in action and you do like <laughs> to make sure that um, you know you, your voice is heard which is a good thing sometimes some people. <laughs> People prefer that not and others do. So I, I did actually think we have this thing on, on Heart of the Bookkeeper that I usually do at the end of the show, but I'm actually going to do your part of it, your segment of what I call the subsidiary ledger at the start because I think in some ways it calls out Jen Pryor and what I love about Jen Pryor and I think what so many people love about Jen Pryor and that's uh, you, you you are out there and you don't mind that and you're happy, you're comfortable in your skin doing that, which I really love. So I really want to dig in, obviously, to your bookkeeping journey. What 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 is it um, that makes Jen Pryor tick or what are the things that floats her boat is where I want to go right now. Oh, so. First question, or I think this defines, not defines, but calls out a lot of people. What music have you got on repeat at the moment? What What's Jen Pryor got in her ears of a, of a nighttime or an afternoon? Uh, I'm a big Spotify playlist freak. So, you know, I've got <laughs> the, the certain bands or certain artists that I listen to and then, you know, Spotify likes to throw out the daily mix that'll put, you know, a collection of what you like together, but then it'll continue on and start playing stuff that's in the same sort of genre, but you, you're not necessarily familiar with. Yep. So I, I love that because you get to discover a lot of stuff. Yep. Um, music is, is a, a really emotional thing for me. So, you know, if I'm feeling, if I've had a particularly bad day or I've got to go out of a night time and I really don't feel like going out, I've got certain playlists that I'll, that I'll chuck on, you know, very up, uplifting female, I am woman, hear me raw type stuff and that generally <laughs> gets me going. Um, so, no, music's actually really important to me and I, it's very rarely, even during the day um, when I'm working, do I not have, have it going, but a very wide choice of genre. So uh, when I, if I went, Rob Marshall is Fleetwood Mac Rumours, 
as in the album rumours. So that kind of gives you people an insight into the type of music Rob Marshall listens to. What what's uh, what's a fave album of yours that screams Jen Pryor? Oh, God. Um, I probably can't pick an album, but I'll probably go, you know, Coldplay, Nirvana, uh-huh. um, you know. Did, did you get tickets? Are you off to Coldplay later this I, year in no, Perth? No, I did not and I can't discuss it because it's very upsetting for me. I was actually in Borneo at the time doing um, on a scuba diving holiday and we were in transit on a boat from one island to the other island with both releases of the tickets. And so I had friends in Perth uh, trying to get me tickets and none of them managed to get any and I was not a happy camper. But you know what, it is what it is. It probably saved me a few hundred dollars. <laughs> well, we'll throw it out there because we can on a podcast. Anybody got a spare Coldplay ticket for the Perth concert coming up later in the year and you want to uh, sort of uh, depart from it, uh, I think we've got somebody you'd happily take it off your hands. Absolutely, so we'll and I'll throw in dinner. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get round to dinner in a minute. <laughs> um, okay, so we've taught music. Um, next question, as we define or call out uh, Jen Pryor, the person, what, what's a typical weekend look like for Jen Pryor? Oh, gosh. Um, I've got two types of weekends because I have a split life. So I have my boys um, every second week and my partner is a fly-in-fly-out worker who's home every second week. So when I have the kids, he's away and vice versa. So my ideal weekend um, when he's home would be catching up with friends. I'm a massive scuba diver junkie, scuba diving junkie, so absolutely a dive or two over at Rottnest. Um, bit of chill out time, a little bit of a mixture. I tend to be all or nothing with everything. Yep, yep. Um, when I've got the boys, it's generally rugby. So mm-hmm. Saturdays are taken up with rugby. I tend to kind of do, you know, maybe something social on the weekend with friends as well. And, um, again, diving seems to be a constant, so I always try and squeeze a dive in there if, if possible. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I want to talk about the diving because, um, you know, this is coming from a guy who won't dip his big toe in a rain <laughs> gauge on that scared of water. <laughs> uh, you seriously go diving at Rottnest. Now, for those listening in who are from, uh, you know, perhaps not West Australian parts, Rottnest is our island paradise off the coast of Perth. If you've never been to Rottnest, you, you need to put it on your bucket list because it's, it's absolutely beautiful. But around the coast of Rottnest, which is a reasonably large island, are even larger great white sharks and all sorts of things that could eat you. Uh, you seriously go diving with that? those things? Uh, look, you know, my, my choice of diving partner is not a great white, let's face it, um, <laughs> but the chances of you running into a great white as well, you know, like this is the thing. People are always just like, what about the sharks? So it's funny when a shark sighting happens in Perth, the general population goes screaming away from the beach and the divers grab their gear and jump in the water. <laughs> um, so, you know, diving, the shark, I, I'm a big believer that this is their place, this is their yeah. ocean. Yep. Um, we are guests yep. and that would be, you know, rude of us to think that every now and again they don't make a mistake and shark attacks um, are generally mistakes. We are not their favourite food. In fact, they don't like the taste of us. And when you're diving, you're down at their level and it's the most peaceful, serene, 
experience. I've got, um, you know, my girlfriends and I were diving in a shark in a in a cave with a shark a few months ago, and I've got four and a half minutes of GoPro footage where this shark just just chilled out with us. You know, wow. even came as close as bumping his nose on one of the girls' camera camera fronts, and it's just this serene, magical quiet, calm, beautiful experience. It's not Jaws and it's not, you know, the the great white coming out of the ocean and, and taking the boat down. And I think that's where sharks mis- get misunderstood is a lot of the times it's, you know, the surfers and the, the swimmers and the people who are on the surface that are genuinely mistaken for, for, um, for seals. And recently I did the sea lion snorkeling up in Durian Bay, just a little bit north of Perth. And I'm diving under under the water and we're only snorkeling, but I dived under the water and I'm looking up at the other snorkelers. And I can see when you've got a body and that's got fins and it's got these little arms, 100% that looks like a seal. If I was a shark, I'd probably mistake it as well. So, you know, I think we need to respect them. Um, but it's absolutely one of the reasons I dive. Well, I'm 100% with you. I respect sharks in the ocean. That's why I don't go in there. And, uh, <laughs> they very... won't like you, Rob. They'll no, spit you out. No, no, no. You're going to go, <clears throat> what, what do I want that cricket guy for? It <laughs> yeah. t- t- tastes, tastes terrible. Okay, very good. That, that's some great insights. So uh, if, you, if you're tuning in and, and you're wondering, this isn't Heart of the Shark, by the way. This is Heart <laughs> of the Bookkeeper. We will get to the bookkeeping shortly. Um, but we are doing Jen Pryor and her um, subsidiary ledger here. So two more quick questions to to call out Jen Pryor. You mentioned uh, you don't mind you, you sort of uh, your diving is obviously very important on weekends, but you do, you know, do do like a, a good night out, and uh, got some amazing friends. and And I will shout out to two former guests on the um, on Heart of the Bookkeeper, and that is, of course, Brooke Arnott and Martin Hooson, who uh, form what we used to call the Terrible Trio back in the day, or the the. And Jen makes up that trio. We won't call them the terrible trio. They're the fantastic three. Um, the some amazing uh, fun with those girls. So uh, a great week out with some friends. Might be Brooke and Martine. Might be some yeah. other people. What is Jen Pryor's go-to clothing? Is it dressing up? You know, I've discovered the the real classy sport jackets recently. That's what I'm sort of toting out. What, what's Jen Pryor going with these days? A casual oh. dresser or you're a flashy dresser or what's 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 your go-to? Oh, I'm probably becoming less flashy as I grow, I grow in age. <laughs> um, look, I generally, you know, in winter it's jeans, boots and a top. In yep. summer it's definitely your little dresses. Um, yep. You know, I certainly don't mind donning some uh, mascara and heading out on the town, but um, I probably don't put as much, you know, emphasis on it as I may have done um, in my younger years or my single years even, Rob. Yep. Fair enough, yeah. And that's the beauty, I reckon, of, you know, that's why I sometimes, you know, I'm interested to see where people are at with clothing because it changes. I, You know, years ago I was, uh, you know, one way inclined with certain clothes I wear and now it's changed and that's it's really what you feel comfortable with, I reckon. I think COVID changed, actually. Yeah. I think COVID changed everybody, you know. Like pre-COVID, I think we put a lot more effort into our presentation 
but then we got to live in tracky pants and leggings <laughs> yeah. for so long, and we were like, "This, this is this is it." Um, yes. Sneakers, sneakers are the new high heels, and yeah. I, I still think that you know we're we we kind Very of cool. enjoying our comfort a little bit more than our vanity these days. Absolutely, spot on. Well, that last question to um, before we get into the the really um, main focus of today's um, episode, and that's to have a chat about your bookkeeping journey. But I ask this question regularly; it's one that polarizes people usually. Um, you're allowed to have one person, either current, past, anybody in history, over for tea tonight, and uh, you're going to spend the evening with them. Who would it be? Doesn't have to be anyone famous, could be anyone, but why? who are you having and why would you have them over for tea tonight? God, I hate this question. Um, <laughs> Everyone does. <laughs> yeah, it's not something I consider. Uh, look, I would probably think of Oprah, to oh, be yeah. honest. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. Not that I sit and watch her show or I'm a great fan, but I think that her story would be phenomenal um, yep. coming from where she's come to where she is while still maintaining um, dignity and elegance and being a, a you know, a, a human and not someone who's got to where they are by cutting people down, you know. There's that saying, um, be kind to people on the way up because you don't know who you're going to meet on the way down. And I think a lot of the leaders in the world you know, have got that way because of the personality type that they've got um, isn't a complimentary personality type. So Beautiful. I think she'd be quite, and plus, you yeah. know, she's a female and she's empowered and she's generous and I think they're all really, really good characteristics. Absolutely. Well, they're, they're better answers than you know because I think they absolutely some Jen Pryor, the Jen Pryor I kind of got to know up beautifully. You've done really, really well there. So good good one. There were some tough ones in there. Let's get to let's, – let's move to your bookkeeping journey now. Um, and I, I do want to also call out – you mentioned your kids. You've got Ben and Josh. Is that I correct? Do. I yeah, do. Yeah. Ben, how, ben how, is 13 and Josh is 15. Yep. Um, much prefer them as teenagers than I did when they were young. They're phenomenal kids, actually. Um, they're both very good at rugby, complete chalk and cheese of each other. Um, really good kids, but still, you know, they've got that cheek factor and, and they're good fun. <laughs> yes, having had four boys myself come yeah. through the teenage years, um, we've got one one left still there. Um, they can... Um, can make life interesting, that's for sure. Oh, I'd prefer boys over girls any day, Rob. There's only one <laughs> queen bee in my house. <laughs> Excellent. Where did it all start for you with bookkeeping? Where was your first moment oh, look, that you can I, remember? Yeah, oh, look, I remember it distinctly. Oh, the cat's back. Um, I was in property management and real estate from the age of 16 right through to 32, and I loved it. It was it was my, my love, and I'm still very, very passionate about real estate, which is, you know, a lot of our clients are real estate clients for that reason. And I'd, um, I'd gone on maternity leave with Josh, and I went back to work, and the, the department manager that I'd hired to fill in my spot, you know, while I was on maternity leave really messed up the trust account in six months. And I remember my boss at the time calling me in and going, Jen, you need to come in, you need to fix up the trust account, you need to rehire someone else. 
And so I did that. I went in there and, and I rehired someone who's still to this day one of my closest friends. Hmm. Um, I, you know, fixed up the trust account and did, you know, a bit of, bit of part-time work and then Ben came along number two. And um, when I was ready to go back, I, obviously daycare ex- is very expensive and I didn't want to work full-time. And so I thought, well, what am I going to do now? So I, um, I, you know, people in the industry heard that I was sort of back and I got asked to do fix up a few trust accounts. And so I went and did that. And then one day I got a call from an agent and he said, look, can you come and do my bass on my own? And I went, yep, no dramas at all, got off the phone and I Googled what is a bass and what the hell is my op, right? <laughs> and this was in 2010. So this is when Bass Agent, you know, the, the registration requirements yeah. were changing. And it said, you know, you need to be qualified and you need to do all these hours and you need to do this and you need to do that. And I went, okay, well, cool, I'll just go do that. I wow. had no idea. I've looked after rental properties and property managers for my entire career. I've never, I've never done payroll. I've never had no experience at it. So I went and did that at a private training organisation here in Perth. I did my Cert 4 in six months because at the time I had a six-month-old and a a two-and-a-half-year-old, so I had to balance that off. And the more time I wasn't working, I looked at it and it was costing me money, right? It meant that I wasn't earning. So I did that in six months and I started the business um, beginning of 2011 and I remember my first client happened to be um, the, one of the board members of the real estate I was working for. He was on the board of my first client. And I remember not being able to get this bank rec to balance. And I rang my next door neighbour, who's, who's one of our ICB members, and I went, Kaz, you've got to come and help me. I don't know what's going on. And I'd spent hours on this, Rob, hours. And <laughs> it was a credit card and I had the the debit and the credit opening balances, uh, closing balances the wrong way around. Wrong way around. <laughs> We've all done that. Oh, I tell you what, I felt like such a fool and that was kind of an, a bit of an epiphany for me. So I worked my butt off. I did a lot of hours. I worked under the direction of accountants. I got my Bass Agent licence and I hired my first employee, um, Bianca, after 10 months and that was that was the beginning of the end. Well, I would suggest it was the beginning of the start, perhaps. So, Possibly, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's probably a better way to put it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, so that created priority yes. bookkeeping, is that right? So, yeah, so tell us a little bit about that. So priority um, business consulting was born, priority spelt with a Y, like my surname. Yes. And... Um, I, we worked out of the home office for a few years and then I hired more people because I'm a big believer in, you know, get people to do the things you don't want to do. Um, I don't, to be honest, never loved bookkeeping. Mm-hmm. I loved helping business. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. bookkeeping was just um, the tool that I used yep. to help business. So that's what that kind of what, what filled me up. So I, I employed bookkeepers to do the bookkeeping while I did all the onboarding, the sales. I love project work. I love working with add-on products and integrations and, and things like that. Um, and so that's kind of where Priority went, I guess. We moved into a, an office a couple of years after that and just grew and grew and grew. I think I doubled on each year's growth every year consistently for, you know, the 10 years, 10, 11 years. 
Now, I heard you speak at a, at a, a big event a few years ago. Um, we won't call out where or whatever, but it was, it was at a significant event and you spoke very, as you are now, very honestly and openly and, and very, with a lot of vulnerability, I, I would say. It, it had everybody very much in tune. It was, a, it was a great opportunity for everybody to examine a number of things that were going on in their lives at the time. I remember you spoke about your journey through that period of priority in particular and and the challenges that you'd been through. Um, were you happy to share some of those again with us, especially around yeah. the, the workload balance thing with having two kids and also some financial struggles yeah. you had along the way? Yeah, yeah tell us absolutely. about that. You know, um, anyone listening the, to this will understand that being a bookkeeper is, is you know, a very deadline-focused job. Um then you add a layer of staff to that and you're adding more complications and more risk and more reviewing and everything else that goes along the way. Um, you know, priority started in, in, like I said, 2011. I had a one-year-old and a three-year-old and, you know, this little side hustle that would just bring in a little bit of extra cash on the side took off. And before you know it, you snowball into living, eating, breathing it. You know, um, my husband at the time um, was a fly-in, fly-out worker and quite often his rosters were two and one, so he'd be away for two weeks, home for one week. And, you know, for two weeks I'd balance around the kids and, and daycare and everything like that and for the one week that he was home, he got thrown the kids and I worked, you know, 18-hour days and I did that for a very, very long time. And, you know... Consequently, you know, in hindsight, when you look back on things, did that contribute to, to you know, that, that not working out in the long run? Potentially. You know, we none of us know these things, but I would certainly say to anybody that if you're caught up in that, you know, take a good hard look at what's important to you. And at the end of the day, we we bend over backwards for clients to make sure their deadlines are met and to make sure that their BAS isn't late. For example, if they don't put a priority and show you the value of what you're worth to them by getting their paperwork to you by, by a reasonable time, then why would you risk your health, your family, your relationships by working until midnight to get their stuff done by deadline? Yeah. You know? Yeah, it, it, is, it is absolutely, I, you know, I'm pretty certain we've probably got hundreds of maybe thousands of people who listen to this eventually going, yeah, we're hearing you on that one. Um, it is a, it is a, it's almost a common, I'm not going to call it a fault, it just happens in our, in our community and in our industry, you could say, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, we see it with our clients. We see, you know, working for yourself or having your own business, you know, a lot of employees look at that and they go, oh, my God, you know, you work for yourself, you're so lucky, you can take a day off whenever you want <laughs> and, you yeah. know, you don't have anybody and it's like blah, blah, blah. But I think the reality is doesn't matter what industry you're in, working for yourself is, is hard work. Yeah. Um, you don't get to take the days off because, you know, you're now answerable to, to clients. You don't get your annual leave booked in and have somebody else fill in 
in and do your job and all the rest of it. But particularly industries that are so deadline focused, such as bookkeeping, um, you know, separately to the accounting industry who have got their deadlines, but they're not so consistent, you know, where we've got BAS, IAS, super, payroll, payables, TPA, you know, my leave, payroll tax, like every day there's a deadline for someone at some certain extent. Um, and for a lot of sole trader bookkeepers, you know, if you don't take check, you'll burn out. Yeah, it just, it, you're right, it just keeps coming and, and one of the things that we, um, you know, call out from the ICB's perspective is that we need to talk about this, we need to acknowledge it and I, I love the way that you did a few years ago call that out. Um, it's always busy and you can hear the phone in, ringing in the background now possibly where I am, you know, it just never stops. So uh, tell me a little bit about how you dealt with that. What, what what did you, where did you arrive and what conclusions did you come to? Yeah, so I had a bit of an epiphany, Rob, and I think I spoke about it at the event that you're relating to and, and you were, what happened to you was was my epiphany and, um, you know, that's up to you as to whether you're happy for that to be shared or not. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. So when you had your heart attack? Yeah. Um, you know, leading up to that, I... I've, I've always had a very good name in the industry in the sense that I've always been on development um, teams with softwares. I've won lots and lots of awards. Yep. I was, um, you know, as a business owner, having, a, you know, having a, a bit of a hard time with, with staff, with clients, with paying the bills, with having the responsibility. At one stage, we had a team of eight, having the responsibility of, of other people's livelihoods on my shoulders. Um, and, you know, different costs and that, that imposter, imposter, um, syndrome that, you know, why am I getting the awards and I don't deserve this? And if, if, you know, what if they, what if they work out that I shouldn't be here? You know, all yeah. of that sort of stuff. And you don't consciously know that it's going on at the time. Um, and people, you know, I'd go to a party or I'd go somewhere and people would go, oh, my God, you know, I just saw that you got another award. Like, you must be doing so well. It's so amazing. And, you know, on the outside, I'm like, yeah, thanks, 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 social media, great, great, great. And But on the inside, I'm just like, mate, yeah. if only you knew. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of stuff going on around that time. What year was it that you had your heart attack? 2017. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yes. So 2017 yep. was was a huge year for me as well. That was um, kind of when, you know, my marriage um, fell apart. And so I think that year was a big year um, for me to be a bit reflective as well. And then, you know, Rob, I've always respected you and your business and what you've done and then to have you go through that. And I remember a post you put up and it was along the lines of, you know, this does not matter, you know. At the end of the day, what matters is that you're here and that you're enjoying life and that you're you're here for your family and, and everything else does not matter, you know. It's just a game. Mm. And that stuck with me. Um, mm. And I changed everything. From that minute, I changed everything. Um, I obviously changed my home situation that I wasn't happy in. I changed my business structure. I got a coach in. We went from time billing to fixed fee. We got we did the ABCD clients, got rid of half of them. We stripped it right back to bare bones. 
and consolidated and, and, and grew it again. And I've never looked back. That was the best thing I ever did. And I tell you what, I've not entered a single award since that day because I don't, I don't feel like I need that external um, pat on the back. It's so true what you're saying from my perspective, obviously, a similar journey. We won't unpack my story again because uh, some have already heard that, but certainly that's how I felt too. I felt yeah. that, you know, maybe awards were vindication early on, but in the end they actually became more of a burden than a... Oh. than a. And that might sound strange to a lot of people, but they didn't really really didn't value add to me as a person or to us as a business really. So it was... In the end. So, yeah, I, it's it's fascinating to hear you recount that, more so from the, the side, from your side, of course. Um, do you, did you, you know, have some moments in there where you doubted it or once you'd sort of set your direction and where you were going, you, you knew that that was what you had to do? Uh, Two-folded. Um, once I set the direction, I knew that's what I had to do. Um, in... Uh, 2000, now you're pushing my brain. A couple of years later, <laughs> yes, um, yep. I um, had a significant staff member leave um, yeah. and then that kind of sent me in a spin again um, yeah. and I sort of got to the point going, why am I doing this? This is too hard. I might as well go get a job. Um, and so I knew that what I the steps I'd put in at that 2017 mark had certainly got it to a point where it really needed to be but having that significant person leave and in you know not being able to get decent staff at the time I'm like well hang on now I'm back to where I was I'm back working on client work I'm I'm back focusing on on that stuff rather than where I want to be and I guess that was where the conversations to bring Onyx into into the world started yeah, so let's move to that. So one of the things that we've unpacked in recent episodes of Heart of the Bookkeeper is the different approaches that bookkeepers get to at a certain stage in their growth. And, um, you know, some have these pivotal moments where they need to make a choice as to whether they stay sole trader or, or flying alone or whether they do expand. And then when they do expand, like you've just explained, then that opens up a whole new heap of challenges and a different world and and, um, and and how you deal with that sometimes can, you know, end up with a result that will determine whether you actually continue to be, one, in business and, two, profitable. So you've called it a merger that happened between yourself and uh, a couple other people. Do you explain that to me and to us? What yes, happened there? So um, there's a networking group which your listeners are probably familiar with, which is B&I. Yep. Um, I started a chapter in 2016 along with a couple other misfits that I'd never met before. <laughs> and, um, you know, anybody who's started up a BNI chapter knows how much work's involved in that, but it was because I had kids. It was at a time that suited me with school drop-offs and things like that, and the bookkeeper seat's a very hot seat. It's very hard to get into any. And I met one particular misfit, Danielle Fagents, at this startup, and she was an accountant. And we just clicked. We just clicked. And I remember one of the things I said to her is, look, you know, I've got a referring accountant that has all my clients and I'll never change from them because I've got that relationship with them. So I just need you to know before you, you know, think that I'm going to be the golden egg that it's not going to happen. Um, and I'll tell you what, I 
were probably about a year into it, I threw her a couple of little ones because I'm watching this this girl and I'm like, she's a phenomenal accountant, hmm. you know. Um, so I threw her a couple of little, little clients just to, to test her out and she blew me away. And I can't remember how long after that it was, but I ended up saying to my, my other accountants, look, I'm really sorry, <laughs> but I'm moving my stuff from you over to Danielle yeah. because she... She had the same values as I did. It's heart-centred purpose. You know, we're there to, to help and to lead and to make people's lives easier. We're not there to, you know, drive a Mercedes Benz and not return phone calls and expect, you know, everybody to do everything for us. Um, and she just had that same mentality. Um, a year or two before that, through one of the softwares, I'd also met this other accountant, Talia, who worked for an accounting firm. Um, she was much younger, loved her, though we got along. Um, Danielle had said to me, I don't really want to service the one-man bands. I really want to focus on bigger business. And I said to her, well, look, let me introduce you to this, this other girl, Talia, this accountant, and she wants to focus on the individuals in the small end of town. So maybe, you know, the three of us can actually find some synergy there. So... Talia then came into the mix and joined our BNI as well. We split the accounting seat and the three of us did this BNI together for a long, long time. And one day Talia and I were on the phone. I think I actually was even on Messenger with her and I said, you know what, we should just we should just all merge together. Like, what's the point? We're all paying three, because Talia had gone out on her own by this point. We're all paying three, lots of rent. We're all, you know, da 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 and so Talia and I had a couple of meetings and um, I was like, I'm going to have to speak to Danielle because, you know, obviously um, I don't want her to feel threatened. Danielle was in a, quite a big accounting firm with a business partner, everything else. So I rang Danielle and I said, listen, as my accountant, as my friend, this is what we're thinking, what, what do you reckon? And she said, you're not doing it without me. <laughs> and I was like, oh, are you serious? Like, but what about you know, everything else. She spoke to her business partner at the time who was, who was looking to retire but had a five-year plan and he was like, yeah, sign, hand it over, give me the money, <laughs> like I'm oh, out of wow. here. He actually yeah. still works for us. He's, he's an executive accountant with us but he was happy to, to bring forward his retirement plans or his, his get-out-of-the-business plans. Um, and literally we put it together in six months and launched Onyx Business Group on the 1st of July 21. Mm -hmm. This is our second year. And mm -hmm. I tell you what, we've not looked back. Yeah. Wow. That, that's a great story and, and one that I would suggest that you would say to others listening in, if, if you find yourself in a similar position and the opportunity's there, obviously it's worked well for you and, and there's no... There's no harm in going, you know what, let's go for it. And as, you, as you've said, you know, you, you surrounded yourself with a couple of like-minded people, which quite often is the key to it, I reckon. Um, you know, opposites do attract, but also like minds can work well together is my yeah. experience. So, yeah. yeah. I think the, the key between the three of us, and this is, you know, we worked well together prior to that, is that firstly there's no ego. Yeah. Um, we yeah. are complete opposite personalities, but... Because there's no ego, there's not that I have to be right no matter what. Yeah. We've got opposite strengths, opposite weaknesses. Um, I, in, in all the time we've known each other and the last couple of years, you know, working so closely together, there's been not one single actual disagreement. There's been debates, but yeah. there's not been one single disagreement. And it's sharing the load 
you know, as business owners, if you've got one staff member or you've got 20 staff members, you've, you've got the same problems just by a multiple. And it's sharing the load of those problems with two other people who you trust and you know have got your best interests at heart. Um, I, I can t- I've been taking four weeks off every Christmas and not even looking at my emails, That's right? That's so good. How many business owners can say that? And And I've never been able to do that, so... Yeah, that is really good. That is that that's example of change that um, has impact. So really good, and you know, circling back to what you said before, the the whole thing about winning awards and that. Which, by the way, we celebrate those who do win awards. We're not diminishing oh, that. Absolutely. I don't think you're doing that at all. But absolutely. having said, but I think what you're calling out is the emphasis on team rather than I, and um, that that's definitely from the outside looking in where you are at right these days, you've got a great team and, and you've surrounded yourself with some pretty amazing people, which is is fantastic. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, Onyx is, is in the accounting awards and we're finalists in those and the things like that. But for me personally, it was the reason behind it versus the fact that you're going into them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was a, it's, yep. it's the mindset behind the entering that's the difference. It's a great call. Yeah, absolutely. So... Looking in the crystal ball into the future, what what do you see for Jen Pryor? Where do you see yourself in five years, perhaps, or ten years? Oh well, years? there's a hundred a hundred million dollar Powerball on Saturday night, Rob. So <laughs> um, I've got a solid plan to take a good slice of that. Um, failing that, which you know is highly unlikely, but on the off chance that that, that doesn't work out for me, look, I, I'm a big believer in in work hard, play hard. Um, that's kind of a bit of my, that's one of my mantras, work hard, play hard, take accountability, right? So, um, you know, if you look at my Facebook, people comment that I'm never at work, I'm always on holiday. Um, and I'm not, I'm at work quite a lot. <laughs> but, you know, for me, we're only here for a very, very short time. Um, I enjoy every moment that I have and when I stop enjoying it is when I change it and, you know, Onyx for me with the girls, I love it. I, I absolutely love being in business with those two women. I, I admire them and I respect them immensely. Um, so the next five years I see pretty much the same as now in the, in the sense of building, consolidating and, and keeping the business, you know, running really well, which it is. Um, but also having that that flexibility, that freedom and, and that confidence to be able to take time off and to be able to go away and go to islands diving with no Wi-Fi and, and not being stressed out about it because the team is phenomenal. We've got a great team. Yeah, again, I, I say this often. You know, one of the things with a podcast is you can kind of rewind. It's not the way we used to do it with a cassette or whatever, but you can go back 10 seconds, 10 seconds, 10 seconds. I think it might be 15. I don't know somebody will tell me one day, but I'd encourage you to do that because just that last few minutes, just that's just gold as to very much where I've, I know Jen Pryor has got to. And so uh, it sort of lends itself to the very reasons why I wanted to get you on the podcast because I know you have this approach now that is almost freedom, you know, a feeling of freedom. And uh, so many of our listeners are possibly not there yet at the moment and certainly it's the journey I've been on uh, since that, you know, infamous day in 2017 for me as well is to just explore what life can bring in a different sort of, with a different lens. And um, you've really nailed that. We're going to start to wrap this up in a moment. 
but we've got to go back to the passion outside of bookkeeping, diving. Come on, tell us where, where's your number one place in the world to go diving? What's uh, what that what's I've your, been you know, to, or that I'd the, like to go to? Well, either or. You know, this is the beauty of a podcast. Oh. You can go wherever you want. <laughs> I would <laughs> love to dive at Galapagos. Right. Okay. Um, I've got actually, <laughs> funnily enough, Rob, on my on my second screen is an Excel spreadsheet because only a bookkeeper would have an Excel spreadsheet of dive locations. Um, <laughs> so I, I could read you. There's Fiji, Indo, Palau, Papua New Guinea, the Philippines, which I've done, I've Cocos, Christmas. I've got a list, genuinely. Um, there's so many places in the world that is phenomenal uh, and that, that I'd like to go to. The best that I've done, look, I just came back from Sipadan in um, Borneo. Right, Um yep. Sipadan has only just recently, um, last October, I think, reopened up to the public and is very, you know, tightly controlled. There's no one allowed to live on the island. There's only 50 divers a day. Um, and that that is stunningly, un- unbelievably stunning. I've made some beautiful videos from that. Um, Verde Island in the Philippines was, was awesome. Oh, look... Yeah, my, my most favourite dive ever was the shark dive, well, the shark cave that I mentioned earlier at Rottnest Island, which is in my backyard. Yeah. So that's probably my top, my top dive ever. But, um, yeah, tropical diving with big stuff. Yes, yeah. So there you go, folks. You know, we've just been on a trip around the world in the eyes of a, uh, a scuba <laughs> diver um, and uh, calling out the fact that um, if you're listening in, you're from over east in particular in the eastern states. So obviously Jen and I are based in Western Australia. Uh, if you do come to WA, you've got to go and check out Rotten Nest. It is an amazing place to go and have a look at and steep with history, some of it uh, a little bit disturbing, but other parts of it really fascinating. Um, lots to, to unpack with, with Rottnest Island, formerly known as Rat's Nest for various reasons, but uh, yeah, the quokka. It, the quokka, yeah. The, 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 I love the quokka. Oh, Absolutely. If you don't have a selfie with a quokka, you haven't lived. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I can't think of too many other ways to... Uh, to, to better ways to finish. Uh, great, great uh, insights into the diving uh, world of uh, of Jen Pryor. <laughs> yeah, and bookkeeping. Yeah, diving into bookkeeping. We're we're at the end of the financial year right now, um, yeah. so be very very busy time for everybody. And you've just called out some ways that you might be able to go and de-stress, go and uh, jump in some water and swim with a shark. You won't find Rob Marshall there, but uh, I'll wave to you from the beach. How's that just sound? Have a look at uh, the photos on Facebook, Rob. Yeah, absolutely. We'll call that out as well. So, Jen, we'll wrap this up. Thank you so much for joining us. You've lived up to every bit of my expectations of this. has just been a fabulous chat between you and I, but I think so many will resonate with so much of what you've said. You clearly, and you don't make any secrets of it, you're happy to put yourself out there and you've done that for a large part of your life ever since those days in Zimbabwe by the sounds of it, and that's what's that's what so many of us love about Jen Pryor. Well, like I say, Rob, you either love me or you hate me and I'm okay with either. <laughs> I think you might have found a few uh, people who are very happy to, <laughs> to say we love Jen Pryor. So, Jen, all the best, all the best with the end of financial year as we wish for all our uh, people, uh, all our members and all our uh, bookkeepers, whoever, whoever you are, your business owners listening in right now, all the, the best for end of financial year. But Jen Pryor, 
we want to wish you all the very best for that future, wherever that might land. And uh, we look forward to to uh, hearing and seeing so much more from Jen Pryor in the years to come. Absolutely. Thanks for um, having me, Rob. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. And um, once again, you know this, I've said this to you before, but, you know, you, you really did contribute to a turning point in my life. So, you know, I've all, you, you know how I feel about that. So thank you. Thanks, Jen. Very kind. Thank you for those very kind words, Jen. I am glad and very humbled that I may have been able to add something to your journey over the past few years. And for you to share that journey with us today has been simply wonderful. Keep roaring, Jen. You do it better than anyone I know. And I think so many have been cheering you on in this episode. And keep swimming with those sharks and appreciating their beauty. But as I said, I will keep cheering you on too. It'll just be from the beach. That's all. Join us next time very soon again on Heart of the Bookkeeper. My name is Rob Marshall and we love your heart.